Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. This is our Messiah speaking. He says, beginning at verse 5, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. In my last message, Matthew 6, 1-4, through 4, we began to go over this section, this next section in the Sermon on the Mount. We spent a lot of time in chapter 5. It was much needed. Cover chapter 5. Now we're moving into chapter 6, where Yeshua begins by telling us that we're supposed to be careful not to practice our righteousness in front of people in order to be seen by them. He's teaching us to live humble lives and not worry about who sees us or doesn't see us. Just to do it because you love Yahweh. Do it because you want to please the Father. People will see. Our light will shine. Remember Yeshua says, let your light shine among men so that others may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. But that's not what motivates us. At least us being seen is not what motivates us. I am motivated about the Father getting glory. I want the Father to get glory when people watch my life. I want to direct them to the Father. Our Messiah directed people to the Father. So it's not about us. It's about our Father, our loving Father, our great and mighty Father. We are not the mighty one. Yahweh is the mighty one. There is none who is good save one, that is Yahweh. All other goodness is derived from or stems from Yahweh. So the first section that we covered here is giving to the poor in verses 1 through 4. Yeshua said that when we give, we should seek for our giving to be done in secret so that when our Father sees us in secret, He'll reward us. And some later manuscripts in the New Testament add, he will reward us out in the open or openly. The next thing he talks about is prayer. And just like with our giving, our prayer is to be done in secret. In verse 5, he says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got their reward. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. A hypocrite is a pretender. It's somebody that puts on a show or a person who makes you believe that they are one way, but they're really not. They're a dime a dozen in this world, and they are especially prevalent in religion. I cannot tell you how many people that I have met in the religious world who appear to be one way on the surface and present themselves as one way the first time that you meet them. But time shows that they are doing nothing but pretending to be righteous. 
Yeshua says that the hypocrites or the pretenders, they love to praise standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. They make it a point to do their prayers in places where they will be noticed because they want others to think, that's some good prayers, that's some great prayers. Now we have to be careful here because it's not always wrong to pray standing in a synagogue and it's not always wrong to pray standing on a street corner. There were Israelites in the first century synagogues that would stand and pray. It's not always wrong to stand and pray in a synagogue. Um, there are times when it might be done properly. For example, here in the Gospel of Matthew, if we just flip a few pages to Matthew chapter 14, we read where Yeshua miraculously feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. In Matthew 14, verse 19, it says, He took the five loaves and the two fish, and He looked up to heaven, and He blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and that little bit of food fed 5,000 people. It was a miracle. And He stood there, looked up to heaven, and blessed the food to multiply. So Yeshua prayed there in front of the crowd. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples gathered together with probably other people as well to select a replacement apostle for Judas Iscariot. And they selected Matthias. The lot was determined by the Spirit of Yahweh and it fell on uh, Matthias. They prayed together there as a group. In Acts chapter 4, we see that there is an occasion where the early assembly of believers prayed together as a group. They lifted up their voices with one voice or unanimously, some translations say. So there can be a proper public prayer that is given. It doesn't have to be given for show. It can be given in an honest and serious manner. But most of the time, when we read in the Gospels, we find that the Messiah did his praying, his personal prayer in private. He wasn't flamboyant. He wasn't trying to be flashy in front of people. He prayed in private. Mark 1.35 says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Yeshua got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Yeshua often withdrew to deserted places to pray. So the point is that public prayer can be done properly, but Yeshua did not seek a group of people to pray in front of when he prayed to the Father. Prayer is man speaking to the Almighty. That's the definition of prayer biblically. Man speaking to the Almighty. Not man speaking to other men. So therefore it makes sense that when we pray, we would do it in private. Not to be seen, but because we want our Father to see us. doesn't negate praying in public all the time. I hope that you understand that. Matthew 6, verse 5 is speaking of pretenders, hypocrites, who pray just for the purpose of somebody seeing them, somebody noticing them. They make a big show and use big speech in order to make themselves look good. I'll never forget being in a church service as a teenager once on what was called Pentecost Sunday. Now, where I grew up in church, they had this annual meeting that they would call Pentecost Sunday. I did not have a clue what Pentecost was, and to be honest with you, I don't really think that the church leaders knew what Pentecost was either. 
their understanding of Pentecost started and stopped in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Did not go back to the Older Testament where we read that in Hebrew the feast was called Shavuot, which centers on the weeks that are counted. And in Greek it is called Pentecost. The word Pentecost means 50. And it centers in on the days that are counted up to that feast. So the Feast of Pentecost, or in Hebrew it's called Chag Shavuot, this is a festival that Yahweh commanded the Hebrews to keep and the Newer Testament church, <laughs> the Apostolic Assembly, we're still celebrating that festival in Acts chapter 2. Well, we had this thing called Pentecost Sunday. I don't believe Pentecost lands on a Sunday anymore, but be that as it may, that's what we practiced. And at this meeting, all of the churches in the community, or a lot of the churches in the community, they would gather together and have this big afternoon service because we met every Sunday morning and every Sunday evening. Pentecost Sunday, we had this big afternoon service, and the church was packed well over 1,000 people. And I remember they called up this local pastor to pray the opening prayer. And they were all smiles, and that local pastor grabbed the microphone, and he prayed, and it probably was five, six, seven minutes. I don't know. It was a long prayer. But it was very flamboyant. It was very loud. And I remember I was sitting down, and I still had my eyes open, and I was watching him, and I just felt like it was a big show. I felt like the man was praying so that people could see. And in reality, you know what that is? That is taking the Lord's name in vain. Because your prayer is to be to the Heavenly Father. Not for a show, not for other people to say, man, how great a prayer he is. When it was all over and he finished, the pastor got the microphone back and he hollered out, boy, does that preacher ever know how to pray? Everybody clapped. I didn't clap. I was starting to come out of that particular faith at that time. And I can say this, he got his reward. The reward was the applause of people and the praise of the pastor. And I hope that his reward felt good because Yeshua says he will receive no reward from the Father. Sometimes I've heard preachers, this is very common when I was growing up in church. I've heard preachers use their closing prayer to their sermon. They usually do a closing prayer. Well, I've heard them use that prayer as a time to re-preach part of the sermon. Instead of using that prayer to pray to Yahweh and thank Him or give supplication or what have you, they'll mention some of the same lines that they just mentioned in their sermon in the prayer. Not as a prayer, but as a re-teaching mode. Prayer is to be directed to the Almighty. He does not need to hear my sermon. I don't preach so that Yahweh understands the Scriptures. He's got perfect understanding, so He doesn't need me to preach to Him. Once again, I believe that a pastor who does that is taking Yahweh's name in vain. It is okay for a pastor to close a sermon in prayer, but he should make sure that that prayer is directed to the Almighty. He should not use prayer time for extra sermon time. It's not proper. Yeshua says in Matthew 6, verse 6, But when you pray, go into your private room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When I first started studying the Bible, I was about 14 to 15 years old, and I read the King James Version of the Bible at the time. That's the one I was raised with. 
I still have that Bible that my mother and father gave me back in 1995. I have a lot of notes in it. It is precious to me. In this particular place in the King James Version, it says, go into your closet to pray. And that's what I began to do when I was a teenager. Is I would go into my closet and I'd shut the closet door and I would pray. And I think that's fine. I don't think Yeshua is telling us you got to go in the closet, move all the clothes and the shoes out of the way and get back in the back and pray. I think he's just saying, go to a private place. Go to a deserted location where nobody is at and pray to the Father who is in secret and he'll see you and he'll reward you. So instead of seeking to make a show of prayer, pray in private. It might be a private room. It might be out in the woods or the wilderness or a deserted location. But go there and spend time talking to your Father. He will see it and he will give you a reward for your humility. Verses 7 through 8 are key here. And verses 7 through 8 should be read over and over again because we have a tendency to forget these verses when we pray. Very important, verses 7 through 8. Yeshua says, When you pray, do not babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. I thought about showing this next part on a video, but I didn't have the strength to put it all together and put it on the screen. But I watched a video recently of a female preacher. A lot of you may know her. Her name is Paula White. And she claims to be a pastor and a prophetess. And who knows what else she claims to be. But she was praying, and it was called on video, and she was praying for the at that time, current election in the United States. And she was praying in exactly the way that Yeshua said, do not pray. She was babbling. She used the words, and strike, and strike, and strike, I don't know, a dozen, 12, 16 times. Uh, she kept repeating the same words over and over again. Then she began to babble and stammer a little bit. And then she called angels to come from Africa and angels to come from South America. And I don't know what that was about. But she repeated the same words over and over and she worked herself up in a frenzy, evidently thinking that the Almighty would respond better to her if she did that. Now, brothers and sisters, that's praying like a heathen or an idolater. That's pagan. That kind of praying is pagan. Have you ever seen a group of people just chant something over and over? I have. I remember when I was growing up in church, and one time I had this woman behind me, and she was in prayer towards the end of the church service, and this is all her prayer was. Jesus, 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 and she didn't stop. And that was her prayer. That's it. That's mindless prayer. Yahweh doesn't want you to check out when you pray. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently and in order. That's not decent. That's not in order. That is a prayer that has no interest in being coherent. It is imitating a heathen. It is imitating an idolater. If you watch idolaters and heathens, that's how they pray to their gods with these chants and these babblings. 
You will not find righteous prayer anywhere in the Bible like that. Some people talk about praying in tongues, and that's really for a whole other sermon, but I did want to mention it in this sermon. I do have a whole series of sermons on the gift of languages or the gift of tongues where I walk verse by verse through 1 Corinthians 14, but I will just be brief here. If a person has the legitimate gift of languages or gift of tongues, the gift whereby the Spirit of Yahweh enables you to speak in a known language on the earth that you have never learned. That's what the gift of languages is. Yahweh miraculously allows you to speak a language you've never learned but is known to somebody on the earth and because you can't communicate properly, a miracle happens upon your tongue and it enables you to share and to witness and to edify that other person. That's what the biblical gift of languages is. That's very clear in Acts chapter 2. There might be instances, if you have the legitimate gift, there might be instances where your prayer in tongues could be a benefit to someone else. But if it is not a benefit to another person, and if it does not edify someone else, then you are to keep your mouth shut, even if you have the legitimate gift. And that is because the gifts of the Spirit are not given to edify yourself. The Apostle Paul says, He that speaks in a tongue, unknown tongue, unknowns in italics in the KJV, not in the Greek text, but he that speaks in this gift of tongues does not edify the church, but he edifies himself. And when I was growing up, that verse was kind of used as a positive verse. You build yourself up. But no, the verse is negative. You're not supposed to build yourself up. The verse is saying you don't edify yourself. That's not why Yahweh gives Christians the gift of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given to do what? Edify the body. So if you have a gift of the Holy Spirit, you are to use it, not to puff up yourself or make yourself look good, but you're to use it in such a way that other people are built up and edified in the Messiah. So if you have the gift of tongues or the gift of languages and you're using it in a congregation where it is not necessary or needed to be used, then you're working in pride. And if you'd like to look at this more, I can send you my series through 1 Corinthians 14. I'll stop on that right now, right there. This statement that Yeshua makes in Matthew 6, verse 7 is very clear and forthright. Look at it again. When you pray, do not babble like the idolaters since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Very clear. It's not ambiguous. We are not to babble when we pray. We are not to think that Yahweh will hear us for our many words. The word babble here in the HCSB is translated in the King James Version as vain repetitions. It does come from two Greek words, vain repetitions. Uh, the Greek word, if I pronounce this right, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a little bit. The Greek word is bato logeo, and it is from two words, batos, which means to stutter or to stammer, and logeo, which comes from the Greek word logos, which means a spoken word. So it's talking about stuttering or stammering while you speak and it being in vain. I have been in churches growing up before, and I've been in a lot of them, where one person prays over another person to have something called stammering lips. And you may not be familiar with that because your stream of Christianity may not have taught that. But when I grew up, sometimes people would pray over other people that they would have stammering lips. That idea 
comes from a misuse or abuse of a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 out of the King James Version. It just means a foreign tongue when you look at it in the Greek or in the Hebrew because Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah. So we don't want to pray over somebody and ask Yahweh to give them a stammer. You are not praying to the Almighty. I'll make this as plain as I can. I'm not trying to be funny. But but you're not praying to the Almighty if you say, Ooh, my, 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 see, 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 my, 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 see. You're not praying to the Almighty. Brothers and sisters, if when we pray, it is unintelligible, and there is nobody that is being edified, and we're trying to reach Yahweh because we feel like if we stir ourselves up or work ourselves up in a frenzy, Yahweh will hear us that is hated. Verse 8 again, don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Yahweh already knows your needs. Isn't that refreshing? That helps me so much because a lot of times I feel so inadequate when I pray. I don't believe it's because I'm inadequate because Yahweh's not looking for eloquence. The power is not in a fancy prayer. The power is not in your prayer. You know where the power is? It's in the one you're praying to. Almighty Yahweh, that's where the power is. A great example of contrasting prayers in the Bible is 1 Kings 18 with a contest on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and the prophet, one, of Yahweh, of Yahu, or Elijah. The Baal worshippers, 450 of them, they screamed, they chanted, they slipped themselves where blood was gushing out everywhere. Then they danced all around from morning until noon. And prophet Eliyahu, he called out and he said, talk a little bit louder. Maybe your mighty one is asleep. Maybe he needs to be waking up. And louder they got. And never was there any answer with fire from heaven. And then, all of a sudden, it came time for the prophet Elijah to pray. And he calmly prayed to Yahweh with just a few sentences. And I clocked myself this morning on my phone. Because you can read Elijah's prayer in 1 Kings 18. And I read it. I read it slowly. And it took me 26 seconds to pray that prayer. A lot of people would say if you pray for 26 seconds, it doesn't count. One of the most righteous men to ever walk in the pages of these scriptures prayed a prayer that was around 30 seconds. And fire fell down from heaven. The point is that Elijah's prayer is the one that was answered because the one he was praying to had the power. Sometimes the book of James in the New Testament is used to teach us that we need to pray loud or fiery or long prayers to Yahweh. People will quote James 5 verse 16, which in the King James Version says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And they'll say, your prayer's got to be effectual. It's got to be fervent. What they mean by that is loud. You've got to sweat You've got to pray for a long time. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says the intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. So people say, again, you've got to pray loud and hard. You've got to avail much. But in James chapter 5, do you know who is given as an example of effectual and fervent prayer? The prophet Elijah. Matter of fact, the prophet Elijah is given as an example 
from back in 1 Kings 17 and 1 Kings 18. So therefore we can go back to the Older Testament and we can see what an effectual fervent prayer is. It's how Elijah prayed. And really when you look at James, James is talking about, or Yaakov, Jacob is talking about how that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and Yahweh sent a drought. And then after the three and a half years he prayed again and then Yahweh sent rain. He brought rain back on the land. The first prayer where Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, it's just mentioned. It's not recorded. His prayer is not recorded. The second prayer where he prayed again that it would rain is recorded in 1 Kings 18, verse 42. And all it says is, Elijah bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And that's it. That's all it says. It doesn't even tell you what he said. He simply bowed down in humility to Yahweh. And that was an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, I would encourage you when you pray, this is a common practice. This is something that Yahweh's people would do. When they would pray, they would bow their face to the floor. Out of honor, that's probably what Elijah was doing there. Bowing. Actually, the word worship in Hebrew and the word worship in Greek literally means to bow down, to prostrate oneself. So, some in Christianity have this idea that you have to get all worked up for Yahweh to hear you. He can't hear you unless you get worked up for Him. That's Baal worship, see. That's what the prophets of Baal did. That's a pagan ideology. Your words are not magic incantations so that you say the right words and it casts a spell. That's pagan. No, the Father already knows what you need before you ever start to pray. He already knows. You don't have to stammer. You don't have to work up a sweat. You don't have to roll around on the floor or fall out when a man lays his hand on your head. None of that is seen as righteous in the Scriptures. Yahweh just wants you to come before Him in humility. He's a great king, so talk with Him with clarity and respect. And He will listen. Yeshua does not leave us in the dark here on how to pray. He first tells us kind of how to pray in secret. Then He spends some time telling us how we're not supposed to pray. Babbling like the idolaters or think will be heard for our many words. But then He doesn't leave us in the dark. Then He goes on and He tells us how we should pray. And he gives us a model prayer in verses 9 through 13. Often called the Lord's Prayer because it was taught by the Master, by the Lord. Sometimes it's called the Our Father Prayer because it begins with Our Father. I want to say here that you are not required to pray this exact prayer when you pray. It's a model or a pattern. I also want to say that there is nothing wrong with saying this exact prayer when you pray. Because if it is a model, then the model is proper and good. We open up our Holy Convocations with this prayer as a group, and we recite it from the older KJV, which is more well-known. And I started that custom here. We didn't always do that. But I started that custom here because, one, Yeshua says, therefore you should pray like this. <laughs> but, two, I believe that the more we pray this prayer, the more we see the meaning of this prayer. Brother Jerry Kendall does a good teaching on this, on the Lord's Prayer. and He says when he prays, he slows down and he thinks about every word that he's praying. And it becomes meaningful, very meaningful to him. So it becomes more real to us the more that we pray it. And the last reason that I started this custom was because it teaches our little children at an early age how to pray properly. These little ones that are just beginning to learn how to talk 
already know the Lord's Prayer. I've watched little Cohen say the Lord's Prayer all the way through. I watched and listened to my grandson mouth out the words, Bowen, say the Lord's Prayer. Even though he doesn't pronounce them all right. You think y'all think that bothers Yahweh? No, Yahweh knows what he's saying. We teach our children this. I've been wanting to do another custom whereby we recite the, the creed of the Hebrews, which is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and maybe we'll, we'll start doing that so that all the children learn the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. From the Holy Christian Standard Bible, the prayer reads like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Very similar, not exactly, very similar. Just a little bit different translation there. That's the prayer. That's how Yeshua says we should pray. We honor the Father's name as holy because the Father is supreme. The Father is our creator. The Father is who we come here to give glory and honor to, Yahweh. We pray for His kingdom and His will to be done on the earth. It's already done in heaven, but we want His will to be done on the earth. So we pray that. We ask Him for our daily needs. Give us today our daily bread. We ask Him to forgive us of our sin against Him. That's something that's missing in a lot of prayers that I hear prayed. Nobody asks Yahweh to forgive them of their sin. It's like people don't think they have any sin to be forgiven of. We should always, every prayer that we pray, we should always ask Yahweh, forgive me for my sins, for my hidden sins that I don't know about. And if you know about sins or things that you struggle with, sins that you struggle with, name them specifically and ask Yahweh to forgive you for those sins and to help you do better. Confess your sins to Yahweh. We ask for Yahweh to give us the strength to forgive others of their sin against us. This will be in a later sermon, but I have come to the understanding that Yahweh's forgiveness of our sins is determined upon how well we forgive others of their sins. It's not a very uh, popular teaching in Protestantism, but it is taught pretty readily in the Orthodox faith, and I believe it's scriptural. I do not believe that Yahweh is obligated to forgive us of our sins if we withhold forgiveness from people who ask us for forgiveness, but yet we keep that grudge in our heart. How well Yahweh forgives us is determined upon how well we forgive others. I'll talk about that more as we get to it. We ask Him to deliver us from temptations and evil, and then we end by saying, for yours, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Amen. And or we say amen or amen, which that stems from the Hebrew language and it means may it be firm, may it be sure, may it be true. That's what a proper prayer looks like. If somebody prays a long prayer, a good long prayer still sounds like the Lord's Prayer. If it doesn't sound like the Lord's Prayer, we need to reevaluate how we are praying. People then ask me, Brother Matthew, has it been okay for us to ask for specific requests? Well, sure it is. There's nothing wrong with bringing our petitions before Yahweh. Philippians says, let your request be made known unto Yahweh. In this very prayer that our Lord taught us to pray, we see a request, give us today our daily bread, which is 
not just a request for food, but a request for protection and provision and sustenance. And just earlier in Matthew 6, Yeshua said, the Father knows the things you need before you ask. So he takes for granted we're going to ask him for the things that we need. I'm going to break this prayer down in my next lesson. It might take two sermons, but we'll go over each line and we'll dissect them a bit so that we better understand what proper prayer is all about. As I end today, let me say this. You may have felt frustrated at times in your life when you did not know how to pray. Anybody ever felt like that? I felt like that tremendously. There have been times when I could only pray the Lord's Prayer. There has. And not get through it without crying. Sometimes we worry about our prayers getting through to the Father. Well, isn't it wonderful? Aren't you thankful that we have a direct teaching here from the Messiah telling us how not to pray and how to pray? We're not kept in the dark. And I want to encourage everybody in here, never feel inadequate in your praying. Yahweh is not listening for your eloquence. Yahweh doesn't want five-syllable words in every sentence. Yahweh is not listening to your speech inflection or your pronunciation. You know what He wants? He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's what Yahweh wants. He wants a life dedicated to Him. He wants a commandment keeper. That's what He wants. Hallowed be your name. Forgive me for my sins. Lead me not to temptation. You don't have to feel inadequate. You just got to be broken and contrite when you come before Him. Come before Him with a humble attitude and a humble heart. I hope this sermon helps you and teaches you a little bit on how not and how to pray.